and into the hearts of men creeps a specter with great, great... Well, what is it? Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Bring <laughs> it up, Tony. <laughs> oh, I'm just a wild about Harry. And Harry's wild about him. Oh yes, of course. Uh, times, uh, times they are that way. Uh, did you see the commercial that's on? Yeah, I think commercials, by the way, are probably much more indicative of, of. Uh, any given moment in time than almost anything else. You don't see, you never see Kojak, for example, mention the cost of cigars. <laughs> well, he smokes cigars. What kind of cigars does Kojak smoke? You, you don't know. Well, anybody who knows anything about cigars can immediately tell what he's smoking there. Sure. Yeah, the world is full of ignoramuses. However, uh, all right, what kind of lollipops does he eat? That's much more uh, into your keeping there. Uh, dumber. However, uh, we would like to uh, salute a commercial. There's a <laughs> there's an area. Uh, it's an area commercial. Now that's not the same as a as a national commercial. It's an area commercial for this car, and it's a it's a Thunderbird. In fact, it's a biggie. And uh, the guy comes on, see, and he says, only for a limited time. If you come down to the showroom and buy your new Thunderbird from Ajax Whippoorwill Whoopi Motors, uh, we will give you, along with your Thunderbird, only for a limited time, ten one-pound cans of Maxwell House coffee. You mean you don't see the humor in that? <laughs> I mean, uh, coffee coffee has gotten uh, gotten to be one of those incredible... Uh, you just can't, you can't imagine a guy going down, he says, you know, we're going to go down and buy this $7,000 Thunderbird <laughs> to get, <laughs> but I saw that commercial, and gee, that's really, you know, that's a commercial they're going to want to see about 50 years from now. As a matter of fact, though, they'll probably be amazed uh, with the way prices of, of, uh, of coffee are going up. They would probably be amazed that they were giving coffee away for such a little thing as buying a $7,000 car. No, I'm I'm predicting that uh, see we're, I'm I'm working on a, my own private uh, people's uh, uh, time capsule. You know the time capsules they're always putting in. Of course, we've just gone through the bicentennial year. Hey, do you have a vague feeling that you missed out on the bicentennial year? That you personally did not celebrate it uh, <laughs> to the extent it should have been celebrated? You blew it. Do you really have that feeling? I mean, it's a terrible feeling. It's the only centennial any of us will ever know. I don't care how young you are. It's the only centennial you're going to know. And and it's it's really a depressing thing to realize that here it is, the only one of your whole life, and you blew it. I mean, and not only that, you had a whole year in which to blow it. If you know, if you had just you know, if the centennial occurred at say three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday in mid January, and you blew it. Well, you'd have a reason for blowing it, but you had a whole year, and you blew it. Now, 
<laughs> you know, I don't know one guy who feels like, boy, did I really do it for the centennial. I got this red, white, and blue tie. Uh, <laughs> you know. Of course, unfortunately, with something as big as the centennial, you know quite know how that you're supposed to not blow it. I mean, what do you do to celebrate the centennial? You know, and uh, and I, I the reason I, I I bring this up is because uh, I, I'm going to give you a belated chance to celebrate the bicentennial. Now, the only way you can really celebrate the bicentennial is to let future generations know that you were here and you were celebrating it. Right? You ever thought of it that way? See, every man has his terrible urge to immortality. Now, most people. Don't, you know, they're not full, unless you're a true health freak. Now, a true health fanatic really does believe that he is immortal. You know, most, uh, most health fanatics really seriously believe that if they eat the right stuff and they do the right exercises, well, there's no reason why they shouldn't live five, six, maybe ten thousand years. <laughs> I mean, I really believe this. <laughs> and it's, it's one of the saddest, most tragic of all human beliefs. But uh, they do believe it, so we're not going to, you know, boggle them there. And of course, there's still people who believe that there is a flat Earth, that the Earth itself is not round, and this is just a lot of propaganda that the Italians put out to put over this guy uh, Columbus on us. Yeah, there is, there is a flat Earth society. So if there's any conceivable dildoc idea that's possible to conceive, there is a dedicated group that believes it. I mean, uh, so, and, and there's no sense in arguing with them because it's almost usually uh, quasi-religious even in their beliefs. So you can't, you know, I never argue with a guy's religion. I mean, if he believes in salvation through weed germ, okay. I raise my hand and say, Ave Sargon Molasses, uh, or whatever it is. I mean, I, I say that for his purpose, not for my purpose. I always, I always agree with the other guy's religion. I always say to him, you know, I never thought of it that way. You know, I, it never really occurred to me. Not you mentioned that there's a lot of logic in that. I'll bet the word, you know, never really thought of it as the earth being flat, you know? I mean, you know, they, they get you when you're a kid. When you're a little kid and they tell you it's round, and so by the time you're grown up, you really believe it without questioning it. Now that you mention it, uh, it doesn't look so round. I, I'm looking over, I can, I, look, I'm looking down to 48th Street there, and it looks absolutely, look, it, I, there's no, what the, what is this? Why didn't we believe it's round? Of course, by the time you, Leave this guy. He he's walking twelve feet tall. He thinks you're the greatest guy to come along the pike since uh, since Johnny Carson hit the tube. You know, so I never disagree with the guy's religion, but that doesn't mean I believe it either. <laughs> I'm often what I have to do often though when I talk to somebody who, you know, a real wheat germ cuckoo, I tend to have to go and hide in the, the nearest phone booth and laugh till I can stop laughing. Then I come out. Uh, but, uh, you know, six of one happens to the other. And uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give you, though, an opportunity to make a real attempt to become part of the, of the posterity that we all wish to uh, communicate with. You know, that's the basis of all art. The basis of almost all art has been an attempt to communicate with posterity on the part of the writer or the author or the guy that's painting to let them know that he was here. Now, not many achieve it. In other words, there's not many 19th century novels that are read out of the millions that were written. And uh, so it will be with our time. However, uh, we are now preparing in, in a secret uh, place our people's time capsule. 
we're putting many things into this time capsule, and and we've we've even selected what the capsule is going to be made of, Tony. You know, they they always put a stainless steel capsule with the top that screws on. It's got a seal on it and all that stuff. Well, steel doesn't really last that long. You know that steel rusts. It corrodes, right? Yes, it does. It's a sad thing. So it has a finite life. What is it in our time that lasts longer than anything? Plain, old, simple, cheap plastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, in other words, uh, they, uh, there are many scientists who feel that the one thing our society is really going to leave behind is a lot of plastic. I mean, a, you know, a thousand years from now, people will be going out into the marshes and they're going to be digging in the in the grubble, in the in the in the effluvia, and in the moss of the ruins of our civilization, looking for those plastic six pack whole things because they will be priceless objets d'art yes they'll and they'll last see you have to explain that that she never sees six packs that one oh no not maybe six packs of uh, of uh, uh, calorie free yogurt that kind of stuff but we're talking about six packs that mean business and and so you, you this is going to last so what we have selected as our our ideal time capsule is a tr- is a true symbolic thing of our time anyway, a super size, thirty two gallon size, super hefty trash bag. That will last, and uh, it's this garbage, garbage, uh, garbage, and uh, we have this beautiful hefty trash bag. See, we're going to seal it up. We're going to take the you know the plastic thing on the top and tie it together, and we're going to bury it in a secret place in New Jersey which uh, has not got its... Well, the reason is Jersey doesn't have its own uh, its own uh, uh, time capsule. You know, Long Island has one. We're, we're out there at the World's Fair site, uh, Billy Rose and the Westinghouse and all these, you know, really important guys did this. But Jersey does not have any time capsule except the Jersey dumps. And uh, that will be a time capsule. Believe me, that... Uh, you know the dumps when you drive out there and you see all that stuff? Do you realize how bananas a, a, a scientist of a thousand years is going to go when he discovers that Jersey dump over there? That's going to be the greatest midden heap on the eastern seacoast. <laughs> midden. You know what a midden, that's a thing there with the thumb on it, you know, and you make snowballs with it. That's called a midden heap. Right. So, uh, nevertheless, uh, we're going to take this garbage bag, see, and we're going to bury it in a secret place. And we're going to bury it in such a way that it's not going to be discovered by your average coverage, you know, your average walking around kid is going to find it. It's going to be buried deep, and we're going to leave clues in many parts of New Jersey, like in libraries and that, as to where this can be found. And the scientists maybe eventually will get the clues and they go and dig it up. Now, what are we putting into it? Well, we're putting in some great things in it, the kind of stuff that really is indicative of our time. For example, we have a, a one quart can sealed of 30 weight Sitco motor oil. Now you say, why that? Why don't you realize that in 200 years there won't be any oil? Oh yes, oil is, uh, they, they claim that there is a 30 year supply of oil on the earth now. You mean you don't know this figure? 
You, you're not aware this is true. There's 30 years of oil left on the earth. And so we thought it would be a fantastic thing to put a can of oil. You know, and by the time these guys dig this up, let's say in 200 years, digging up that can of oil would be like us digging up five pounds of gold in the Pharaoh's tomb. It will be a priceless discovery. Now you're beginning to see the point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a really priceless discovery. What else are we buried? Well, we have a uh, we have a Seven Up can. Now it's not just every Seven Up can; it's the bicentennial celebratory Pop Art Seven Up can, which celebrates the bicentennial, salutes the state of New Jersey as the third state in the union, and incidentally, on the side of this can, there are little dots. Uh, little dots sprinkle over the side. So if you take 50 7-Up cans and pile them up in a, in, a, in a triangle, all 50 of them, each one for each state, these dots make a picture of Uncle Sam. Okay, that's going in our, that's going in our, uh, our people's... Uh, now that will be a really a mysterious object to find a 200. You know, remember we're, we're we're hoping that our time capsule will be found no earlier than 500 years from now. So 500 years from now to discover a one quart can of sealed 30 weight Sitco oil, that will be a priceless discovery. By the way, are you aware? No, wait, you're laughing. Are you aware that almost all civilizations? are totally unaware of the temporary quality of the life they live. They really believe it's always going to be like this. And, and it would have astounded many people in ancient Egypt that we think gold is a very rare metal, because they had plenty of it then. <laughs> and it was, let's face it, it was, it was 4,000 years ago. And uh, they could make gold. They could make gold caskets. They could make gold masks. So, yeah, it would never uh, occur to them that gold would be this incredibly, uh, uh, unbelievably uh, rare object. So what else is going to be rare? Well, we know that oil is going to be rare. It's already getting rarer now in the world. What else would you think? Well, I'll tell you another thing that's going to be <laughs> we're, we're, we're putting in a two-pound can of A&P and Page ground coffee. And it's going to be sealed up. So it's going to last, see? And we're going to put it in this hefty garbage bag. Now, uh, well, of course, this plastic bag is going to outlast any marble. Now, uh, well, of course it will. Plastic does outlast marble. It's impervious to anything. Now, uh, <laughs> now, what else have I put in there? Well, we got one of the greatest ones that we've got. We have, because you know, who never gets into any any uh, any uh, really uh, official time capsule are the losers of of the world. They're never they're never mentioned. If you know if you know anything about time capsules, they're always about winners. They put in a film of a president giving a speech, or there's a film of. Uh, of some guy laying the cornerstone to the UN building or something like that. These are all winners. But are the losers ever mentioned? Come on, get with the show here, you two. Come on, gang. Have to interrupt you here now. There aren't many more left. You might as well enjoy them. This is WOR New York. Oh, Mick, they won't know what McDonald's is. No, they won't. You see, you got to understand. See, I that's something that, that, that I have to point out to you. When you're thinking in terms of putting something in a time capsule, you have to realize that 
some things are so temporary that they will be double meaningless when they arrive. In short, uh, the, the McDonald's, there's no way. I would suggest, however, that what we ought to do, really, is uh, we ought to take a genuine New Jersey, all the way, anchovies included, and all the way, double ding-dong, completely, uh, totally consummated, all the way, with the works, pizza from Jersey. A, a, a big 34-inch one, you know, the big kind, see? Now, now, what we have to do to, with that, if we want it to last, we're going to have to take it down to the International Petrifaction Corporation. There's a place that will petrify anything you want to have petrified. So if you'd like to take your Uncle Fred down there, you can have him petrified if you'd like. Although he's probably already petrified if, you're, if he's your uncle, especially on a Saturday night. However, <laughs> we'll get this thing petrified, see, and, and have it sealed so that, so that the beautiful colors of a New Jersey pizza are, are, uh, are yes, they'll come out and leap out there at them, see, and there'll be mushrooms and anchovies and there'll be mozzarella and the whole work, see. <laughs> and and uh, we'll have to leave a little bronze plaque on it and it will say, this was one of the things, one among many, of the myriad of junk foods that was consumed in great quantities by the residents of this area in the 20th century. They would love it. Wouldn't you love to have an actual petrified piece of food that some Roman sat down to in the year uh, 400 B.C.? Yes, it would be fascinating to know what it was he was about to eat. I mean, but none of that stuff survives. So we have to really work at it, make it survive. And, uh, of course, I'm also going to include a collection of uh, television commercials. Well, not because they'll be, they won't be funny to the people of the future. And you know why? Because they will be truthful. Do you realize that a guy a thousand years from now looking at a commercial for a Pinto, we'll say, he's, he's going to be looking at something that obviously will have not existed for many, many centuries. And it will probably, none of them will exist by then. Maybe a few reconstructed in a museum. But to actually see a person driving one and standing next to him, it's fantastic. Well, can you imagine a film, uh, uh, looking at a film right now of a guy that built chariots outside of Pompeii and he's hawking them? He's selling them, you know. There they are. There is his chariots. And here's an actual charioteer. <laughs> he roars by with the smoke and the, you know, the horses whinnying and the, the lances flying. And he comes out and he says in uh, in Latin, in hoc agricola conch, in espitolo cheapo. He has just told, he's sold you his, uh, that would be a fantastic film. In other words, to look at a chariot as it's actually doing what it does, being driven by an actual charioteer. Not by Charlton Heston. Uh, what else would you like to see in this thing? I mean, it's really important that we have a few... I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, now listen to me, both of you, for a minute. Now, you're in there chattering endlessly. Just listen for a while. Uh, what, what I submit to you is that almost everything that is, that is preserved by any society is very self-conscious and the society wants to put its best foot forward. <laughs> it wants to, you know, always in the future. And it always preserves winners. So, there will be a, a, a film of a president giving a speech. Now, pre what could be more of a winner in our society than a president? 
you know, or, or there will be a uh, a mayor. He'll be standing there laying the cornerstone of this big building. But there's never any losers. All right, we are, we are now going to preserve some of the losers of our time. Now, now there's a valid reason for this. You know that uh, that one of the great studies that uh, antiquarians have recently embarked on is to try to f- to, to to reconstruct what the life of an average Athenian was like. Not one of the guys that hung around down there and listened to Socrates. You know, not one of the ones that that wrote the plays. Uh, and not the king, and not the Electra and Orestes, and all the great people of uh, of uh, you know of literature. But what about the poor Yahoo, who came down and swept up the uh, swept up the theater after the play, uh, after the opening night of Electra, and uh, all the elegant people had filed out. What uh, what kind of a life did this guy have? Well, writers of the period never even recorded it. They never recorded it, so in the, the antiquarian has a hell of a time trying to put together what the daily life of, let's say, an ordinary walking around Roman was like. Uh, you know, the one who didn't go to Egypt to have this thing with uh, Cleopatra. In short, you know, when you, when you see the movies, you know, and you see Caesar up there, he's being played by... Uh, Rex Harrison or John Gielgud or somebody, you know, and he's always he's always looking down from the steps of this fantastic palace right in the middle of uh, Rome, and you see this great parade coming up, and it's uh, who is it? It's uh, usually somebody like uh, oh, in the early days it was Claudette Colbert, uh, then it's Elizabeth Taylor, whoever's playing Cleopatra, you know, you see this whole big thing, and you see this great big crowd, you know, they're all out there watching. See, nobody knows what the life was like of one of those guys in the crowd. No, what 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 was it like? I mean, uh, what did he what did he do when he went home from work? No, it wasn't bad, not necessarily. You're making that that's a value judgment. Why do you say that? You don't know. The point is, nobody knows. They, they just don't know. Now, now there are a lot of uh, so-called educated guesses, but we want to correct that. For example, we are going to put into our our uh, our hefty garbage bag of history. We're going to put in there, among others, I have received from one of the listeners a, a great tribute to losing. Listen to this. He sent me five tote board tickets. Now, wait a minute. There are millions of tote board tickets. Uh, you'll explain that to her. She's a very innocent person. You better explain it to her. Uh he sent me five of them. Now wait, you don't know. Uh, this is not. It's not enough just to have a ticket on a losing race. That doesn't. That doesn't mean anything. But what did he send me? He sent me four tickets of races that were raced at Rockingham Park, Atlantic City, and one at Monmouth Park. But all for the years 1962 and 63, which he kept in his wallet. Each one of them was a show ticket. Now, that's a true loser. A show ticket means <laughs> that if your horse comes into any one of the top three positions in the race, you're going to get something. He managed to lose. Two of them, by the way, in races in which there were only four horses. It's not easy to bet on the one horse that's going to come in fourth. 
<laughs> I mean, so he sent me these tickets. He says, Shepherd, he says, I've been treasuring these tickets because they, they say so much about my life. Uh, they, uh, they, they say a great deal about my life, and, and, I, and I, I, I wanted somebody to have these tickets that would honor them for what they are. And so these are going into my great hefty garbage bag of time. And, uh, and, and, and I can see 200 years from now, do you realize that, that, a, that a show ticket on the fourth race at Atlantic City in 1962, August the 3rd, is go- it's probably the only one in existence today. Now. That's right, it's right. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to get aqueduct tickets. This was Atlantic City. <laughs> in other words, he was, he was betting for starters on skates. So, uh, all right, what else have we got in there? Well, we've got some good things. For example, we have a collection of 1976 obscene valentines. Well, because the obscene Valentine, you know the kind of, you know, you know that you've seen these uh, really bad news, bad taste Valentines. <laughs> uh, these were all purchased, incidentally, at elegant stores in Manhattan, including Bloomingdale's. So you, uh, we're including this in a special plastic package so they will know what the average, really walking around taste of the average person was in our time. Now, not many people are going to predict. Oh, this is going to be a priceless thing to dig up 500 years from now. What else do we have in there? Well, I'll tell you what we have. We have, among other things, we have taken a salute towards the button craze of the last couple of years. And one of the great buttons we have... See, the button uh, at first was sort of a, a fun thing. Then it later became a promotional gimmick. And then further out, it became a merchandising gimmick. So we have a button that was... Uh, sent to us by a person who wants to become immortal, of course, by having his button in his thing. It was a button which he got in a 1967 convention of nurserymen and gardeners. And the button said, I have met Miss Cloggaway. Well, I don't know what it is either. That's what makes it important. And, and, and he said he didn't know either, in spite of the fact that he obviously met her or else he wouldn't have had the button. <laughs> so it says, I met Miss Cloggaway, 1968, and it was at the Steel Pier. So uh, that button is going into our, that, you know, everybody collects presidential buttons, but there ain't nobody's got a button that says, I met Miss Cloggaway. And so, so the complexity of our civilization is another thing that we're attempting to, uh, to, uh, to keep, you know, keep uh, complete. We're also putting in there this guy. By the way, this guy, one of the one of our listeners sent me one. He says he sent me a, a Japanese weather radio. All it gets is the weather. You know this little type. See, there's only one important thing to be known about this. We're the first society that has made weather a major concern. We talk about it endlessly. They didn't in Egypt. We talk about it constantly. He says, it's very symbolic of our time, talking about weather. But the most important part of this weather clock, this weather radio he's got, is that it does not work because it was washed away in the Jersey floods of 73. <laughs> he says, the damn thing didn't warn him of the flood in time, in spite of the fact he had a weather radio. <laughs> oh, and I'll tell you another We've got another great one. I think that we're we're very proud of in our uh, 
our time capsule. We've, we've got hundreds of items. I'm just uh, running over them. If you would like to submit one, be sure to let us know fast. Just drop a note about what item that you think should go in, and we'll, we'll see that it gets in. Now, uh, some of these I've saved to last. For example, uh, <laughs> one guy sent me a, a program, and it was an illustrated program. A 1976 convention in San Francisco that he attended. A convention of gay art pornography. <laughs> That's so, he says, they're going to want to know about this aspect of our time. It's a very elevated time. So uh, he, he sent me this program, and, and it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's embossed. It's got, uh, got uh, three-dimensional pictures. You know, you use these stereoptic and glasses on it. And it's really quite a tasty program. And it's going into, it's going into our, little, uh, our little garbage bag, our hefty bag of time. So uh, on that uh, hefty bag note, we say, uh, stand up on your toes real high, flex your knees, look off to the east, and you may see Montauk. Bring it up. What is?